Good evening, my little darklings. You know by listening to this show, by watching the live presentations, that I'm on the road a lot traveling. Part of the joy of doing this job is not just getting to hear the stories, but going out there to see the places firsthand, to be able to investigate history and all of her mysteries. A big part of that over the last 10 years for me has been traveling abroad, sometimes two to three times a year with you, the faithful viewers and listeners of this program. But recently, a spate of questions has come up that I hadn't thought about before. Going to these foreign cultures, to these ancient lands and civilizations, investigating, poking and prodding the paranormal to try to seek answers. Is there an inherent danger we're not thinking about? By investing ourselves into a location, by evoking the memories and the history itself, the spirits of the land, are we doing more harm than good? Or is it like Ghosts of Devil's Perch, where by going in, we give voice to the spirit world again, to people that might have been cut off from that aspect of history and the knowledge that it brings? Well, there's one guy I know I can trust in any situation, the godfather of the paranormal. He's here tonight along with his investigative partner. She's a psychic medium. Michelle Roos will be here. And the paranormal godfather himself, John Zaffis, will also take some of your questions from the live audience. And then later, we seek answers to what secrets the Randolph County Poor Farm holds. Is there a darkness that still stalks the land, leaving its mark on its visitors and investigators? We'll speak with someone who knows firsthand, Bob Hicks. He's a documentary filmmaker and a paranormal investigator, and a survivor of the haunting. We'll be back with more of that right after this. I'm not gonna stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Good evening, and let's begin again by acknowledging all the great new sponsors that you've been hearing on this program. Remember, the best way to help support programs like this is by supporting the advertisers that take the time and effort to see the value of you, the audience that we reach. So please do me a favor, follow the links in the episode guides, follow the links that we give on the show on the audio and video form, take advantage of the specials that we're able to acquire for you because that's an important way to keep this show alive. Now, as I said at the beginning, I've been traveling a lot over the last 10 years. I've seen Romania, England, Germany, Prague, Scotland, Ireland, Australia, France. And this year I had a chance to hit the capper, Egypt. I remember being a child and on my walls where many people had the band posters of the day, I would go down to the local travel agency and I would pick through their, their garbage, the stuff they were getting rid of, and hanging on my wall was England. 
and hanging on my wall was Australia and hanging on my wall was Egypt. And I've had a chance to go visit each one of these countries to listen to the legends and lore behind the hauntings and the stories. And I found that one thing defines us all across the world is our fascination with the other side, life after death. Although I noticed that in each culture, they do look at different aspects of the afterlife much differently than we do. As a matter of fact, in Ireland, they almost roll their eyes at the the concept of ghosts. Yes, we have ghosts, whatever. Anyway, their real fascination are elemental beings, are eternal beings, are the fey folk, right? That to them is something that's much more demanding of their attention and their knowledge than just the ghosts that we seek here in the United States. And I talk to these different cultures and I talk to the people that are there sharing their stories with us. But recently, after returning from Egypt and having a chance to step into the tomb of King Tutankhamun and Queen Nefertari. Now, before you send me emails telling me I'm saying it wrong, it's Nefertiti. No, you're saying it wrong. I went and saw the tomb of Nefertari. They haven't found the tomb of Nefertiti yet. There's a lot of kings and queens with very similar names. So trust your old pal Dave when I throw a name out, okay? Uh, Nefertari's tomb, amazing, but you could feel a palpable energy in these locations, things that I'd never felt in any other location on the planet. And I said, listen, I've got a bad back. I've got bad knees. I was able to sit for, a, for an hour at a crack with my legs crisscrossed as we meditated and we tapped into the energy of the land and the spirit spoke to us. I left feeling invigorated, energized, unlike many of the ghost hunts that we do here in the United States that leave you feeling drained, almost depleted. It was something different. But I had people ask, Dave, did something come with us then? Are we awakening something? Is there an inherent danger in messing with these foreign cultures and the spirits and things that they have there? Now, I know my answers, and I'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, but I wanted to go to some experts and some people who also invest their time in traveling. As a matter of fact, the couple I'm about to introduce are going to be going to Greece later this year. And the trip is open and available. And thought was put into each location and what we would be doing there. So joining us first and foremost, a very old friend of mine from the very first season of my paranormal radio show. As a matter of fact, I think he was my second guest ever 18 years ago. And he's back with us tonight. We've had him many different times to answer many different questions. But tonight, I want to tap into the cultures the different locations and histories and the mysteries and hauntings that surround them and the safety that we should be doing when entering these places. Ladies and gentlemen, the godfather of the paranormal, our good friend, John Zaffis. Hey, John. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming out here and spending a half an hour with us tonight. We appreciate I'm, it. I'm glad you're having me. I'm glad to be on, buddy. Now, joining you on this Grecian tour and historical tour where you're going to get access to some remarkable places, and later on we'll talk a little bit about that. This isn't an infomercial for Greece, but I will let people know about this as the show progresses. Um, you've got a psychic investigator that you're going with. Mm -hmm. And now this 
this comes naturally to you, right? Because a lot of people uh, know this. There are some new people to the realm that don't know that you are the nephew of Ed and Lorraine Warren. That's correct. Yep. Ed, Ed of course, a demonologist, a paranormal investigator, your your aunt, uh, Lorraine, an investigator, but a, a, a sensitive, a right. psychic sensitive who investigated these locations. Yes. So going with somebody with sensitivity is nothing new for you, correct? No, no, nothing new at all, actually. I still, you know, work with a ton of people that are gifted psychic. I think it's important to always take that into consideration because people say, well, how could you believe what they tell you? You have to remember when a person is truly gifted or psychic, they get a lot of information, all different types of spirits. It could have something to do with you, Dave, something to do with me, could have something to do with, you know, anybody that's involved, the property. So I listen very intently when they're giving that information, because sometimes they can be hitting on something that can help you with the situation you're working on, the case you're working on. So again, do I believe very strongly in the fact that people can and do communicate and bring spirit forth? Absolutely. There's no doubt. It's been around since the day I've been born and it's been part of my family. I've noticed that going to an investigation with a Cindy Keza or a Sarah Lemos or Rosemary Ellen Guiley, uh, our friend, that when we're there with somebody who is sensitive to the location, I usually feel less drained at the end of an investigation. Does it help you by having somebody else there who's taking on kind of the, the principal work of making those kind of mediumistic encounters instead of you focused on trying to find, you know, a needle in a haystack? I believe so. I, in conjunction with that, I, I think it's, uh, again, a very good element to bring into the situation because when, you know, when you're investigating or you're doing something, Dave, you've been around me up teen years, you know, me, my guard stays up with everything, right. no matter what it is. So here again, when, different people I'm working with and they're picking up on different, you know, situations. They might feel a different area here compared to there. And again, I pay attention to that. I always listen when, when anybody is bringing something to the table, there might be information that be go, okay, you know, I feel something over here in this area here. And I'm like, okay, let's go over to that area. Let's see, right. you know, what's happening. So that, again, is one of the uh, most important elements because, again, I still remain and, you know, will, as, as long as I could keep doing this, very basic with uh, our tools. Mm -hmm. And working with psychics and mediums is, you know, a tool that we all use that helps us to help other people. Well, Although he referred to her as a tool, I'm going to think of her as a little bit better than that. <laughs> Our next guest joining us, Michelle Ruth. She is here. Good evening, Michelle. Thanks for being on hand. Oh, thank you. Uh, great intro there, John. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not like that, right? But we, you know, we've made that joke often. John and I have said, hey, people want to know, should we use a medium or a psychic on an investigation? And we say they are good tools to have with you, something that helps to round out the investigation. And anybody that's worked with Chris Fleming and Chip Coffee knows there are a couple of tools that John and I like to use often on investigations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a good it's a good thing all of us know each other up teen that's years, right. I'll tell you. That's right. <laughs> 
Now, Michelle, I have a, a question I want to kind of throw out to you. Obviously, you're you're this is one of your um what second, third trips you're doing with Mysterious Adventures, going yeah. out there and and going to these charged locations, these these sites that in a lot of cases are not just paranormally charged by the death and the blood that soaks the land there, but a lot of them have religious connotations to them. Um, do you notice a big difference psychically going to a site like that as opposed to going to the conjuring house? Is there a different sense of that type of energy? Absolutely. Uh, I think my first time, um, it was kind of a wake up call for me. I went to Scotland and as we were doing the tour of the witch trials and everything they had there, um, the feelings and, and the pictures I worked in was getting was something so crazy that I had to step back and go, okay, wait a minute. Um, it, I don't know. I think because they keep a lot of that still alive, it's not just haunted locations like in the States where ever, you know, teams go in and do investigations and all that. These people actually really, hold it dear to them. This is something, mm -hmm. you know, that it happened and they carry the stories on and the legends on. And so the energy shifts with it. And I got to say, um, I'm really excited about Greece because of the way they are with all, you know, the legends of gods and goddesses, and they still do it to this day. They live still back in those days. And getting the energy from there is going to be pretty amazing. I'm kind of excited about that. It'll probably be, yeah. hey, John, hey, John, do you see that? John, <laughs> John, let me ask you, because we've talked about this, um, things like uh, thought forms, right? That that something we focus on, does it create an energy or does something that already exists take on that form? Now you're going to a place where they talked of gods and goddesses, of mm -hmm. you know folklore and fable, but people believed in them and continue to believe in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Are these things that we should be cautious of because we don't know what's taking on the guise of the gods and goddesses, or do you think that they are so deeply entrenched in history and in time that there's nothing that can, um, what's the right word I'm looking for here? Nothing that can kind of bastardize that original energy and template of what these people believed in, in their cultures. I like that. That's a good one because you look at the situation. And, you know, Egypt, Greece, Ireland, Scotland, and I can take that and look at that as I traveled England and Scotland with Ed mm -hmm. and Lorraine many years ago, like Michelle mentioned, their views and the way they revere it, it was so different from here. Now, you can remember, I'm going back 40 years. When I came back, I was in shell shock. But now when you start going to these temples and these pyramids and a lot of these things, stop and I, I could take that step back and say that energy and the spirit, or if the people want to refer to it as gods, goddesses, what have you, have to remember, so powerful, so ancient, that they're not really interested in bothering you. They're more interested in being in their area, watching out on what's happening, letting you know that they're there, you know, that is not anything that would be surprising to me whatsoever. But then I take that step back and I look at it and we have thousands of uh, people that travel all over the world, go to a lot mm -hmm. of these places. A lot of them never have any major experiences, 
But I do notice sometimes people tell me they had an awakening to something. Something had changed. Something made them view things differently. Because I know what happened with me. And I, I just took that step back and went, how interesting to watch other countries' views on their supernatural, on their paranormal activity in comparison to the way we are here. So I'm not so concerned that we'll be there, you know, invoking to the point where, you know, we're interested, you know, doing anything like that. I'm just so excited to just go have those experiences, be in those places where those goddesses were and the gods. Would I like to see them materialize? Heck yeah. I mean, what, what? Yeah, I would just stand there and go, whoa, are you a relative? <laughs> you were a relative, right. So, you know, I, again, I think a lot of us, Dave, look at that when we, when we do these trips and we get involved mm -hmm. with them. Okay, we can even go to the point here where all of us uh, are very fascinated with Gettysburg. And we know the same type of uh, situation, but not thousands of years old, has that energy. And some, and we view it differently. I know all of us do because we always talk about it with having the different types of experiences. Thus, it's the same thing I can relate with traveling and going to some of the other areas. Not mm -hmm. to, you know, go, but, you know, I hope people have experiences. I hope people, you know, have, you know, different things occur and can look at it because I know Michelle and I will be there. Hey, you know, yeah. Something's really bothering you that much and you need to talk about it. Shoot, right. either one of us have no problem with talking. Both That's of right. us know. <laughs> Yo, we have no problem sitting, okay, this is happening or you feel that's happening. Whatever your belief system is, whatever you practice, call upon that to, you know, help uh, protect yourself. And we've had that at places when we were in Egypt. There were people that would feel very... Um overwhelmed by a sense not negative but sometimes it's frightening when it's something you're not used to used to and and in in a lot of those instances tracy ash who was our guide there she would walk them through these moments of this is a power to accept not to be fearful of and once people kind of got their mind over that they really kind of developed on the spot mm -hmm. like you said an awakening um jose has a question here maybe michelle could answer um Maybe thought forms arise from a possible lensing effect by the focusing of psychic energy. What do you make of a concept like that? Wow, that's actually very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I could say, yeah, I could see something like that being the effects of that. Um, that is very intriguing. That's like, wow, mind-blowing. Uh -huh. right. <laughs> Well, but, and does it give does it give energy to that, right? I mean, the psychic, I, I do believe that we, John and I have watched this at locations like Waverly Hills. People's expectations can sometimes alter the experiment oh, yeah. or the moment. Yeah. And we'll watch how it's like 30 people willing something to happen and suddenly something dramatic, a ball starts rolling around the floor from person to person and stopping and then rocking and then shooting. Uh -huh. a, uh, now you have to question, is this really happening or is this the focus of 30 people wanting to see a ball move so bad that they are creating that energy, opening that, that portal between each other. Um, and I think that's the same going to these locations. I tell a lot of the travelers go in with the intention to be open to the experience and if you feel frightened, first of all, try not to walk in a place of fear. I don't think our 
ancestors, and I don't think the spirits that walk there want us to be in a place of fear, if they could pass knowledge on to us in order to make life better in the future, I think that would be the, the lasting mission. Doesn't mean that there's not some negative energy out there. John, we know that to be true, but mm -hmm. you can't walk into every, every place expecting the devil waiting for you. Sometimes no, there's something so different about the energy. No, I, again, too, with, um, as we advance and we move forward within, you know, uh, our paranormal community, you know, it, you have to keep an open mind and learn to adjust because we're continuously learning. Mm -hmm. Thus, going to a lot of these places and having experiences and have it. See, I look at it now, too, Dave, as the collective, the collective of energy. Mm -hmm. And I was smiling when you were talking about the ball. We all experience that and we could have a group of 30 people the ball will move and it'll go around and dave you're as well as i am you could bring another group in everything flatlines so right. there again that makes me take that step back and look at the collective and when you have a certain group of people and they're together you can start to have a tremendous amount occurring and happening and mm -hmm. I, I've seen it from location to location. You've experienced it. Michelle's experienced that. And a lot of times, we years back, I used to go, why in the world does that happen? Why does it flatline on certain, you know, areas and people don't experience anything? But another group, you know, everything will start happening. So, again, I believe very strongly in the collective. And, Dave, as you said, go with an open mind. You know, don't let everything actually scare you because, again, you know, 90% of what we deal with is human spirit and energy into reaction. And Dave, you hear me say that all the time. It drives me nuts because everybody says there's devils coming up through the floorboards all over the place. And I don't believe that. And I'm a demonologist. So, <laughs> and so is Michelle. Michelle uh, does it too. So, again, I, I look at things probably a lot more openly now with, with a lot of different things and, and take that step back and try to analyze it and try to get a person to understand you're having an experience. It's trying to show you something. Doesn't mean it's trying to take you over. But again, it, as long as you have people around you that you could talk to and you right. it, yeah, that that's one of your key factors. Uh, Shotgun shell. Thanks for watching the show. And thanks for the love and support. Super. Thanks. Super stickers, uh, super. Everything is turned on super chat. So if you want to throw up uh, a question, a nice little donation for the show, we appreciate that as well. Michelle, I have something that I recorded inside King Tut's tomb. We were, we were lucky. We accessed the tomb with just our group of 20 people. There was no one else. And we had unfettered access for two hours. During that time, we elected to do an EVP session, and I captured voices. Now, they were in English. So to many of us, it was like, we're in King Tut's tomb, you know? Why are we getting English-Americanized responses? Now, I, I'm curious what you're... I don't want to plant in your mind and give you an out on why you believe that we're doing that, but give me your answer and I'll throw you a few thoughts on this and you tell me how far off I am on some of it. But why do you think we're able to access an ancient site thousands of years old where they speak sometimes dead languages? We ask questions and we get audible responses in our own native tongue. 
Well, I have a couple. Um, one, if you're actually doing something like that, I believe that it's like a, a portal that opens the energy sources. So you could be getting EVPs from something that doesn't even belong in the tomb. Um, a lot of people get really wrapped around when we do EVPs or they use necrophonics, whatever they do, that if they're somewhere that was all Germans, you know, just like when I'm in Germany, they think everything has to be German. But when you're starting to open that, you know, that portal open to start talking to spirit, it allows everything to come in. And so I strongly believe that, you know, because you guys were in such an ancient with the energy source, with the 20 people, you know, like you said, that collective consciousness opening that portal up, everything was coming through. And that's kind of how I would say it. A lot of times when I'm having trouble figuring out a way to make a connection, I will ask that the spirits that are with me, my mom, John, or or any of our guardians that are with us to help bridge that communication gap. And I've asked for aid in doing so. And then all of a sudden I'll start getting EVP. And then again, it's in English. Do you think that whatever the spirit is that's there, let's take King Tutankhamun just for an example. Could my mother be the translation ship, the, the, the Rosetta Stone of that language to us? Because between the two of them, words don't need to exist, right? It's, it's thought. And he can relay to them the message. My mom can then relay to me, even though the voice may not be recorded as hers. Could that have an aspect to making communication and how that happens? Go ahead, Michelle. Uh, then I'll like, go ahead. You know... I, anything, I think that could be a possibility, um, you know, because spirit does work in mysterious ways. Mm -hmm. um, I have been, you know, again, I've seen spirits, uh, you know, like I was in Gettysburg. I seen spirits that had nothing to do with Gettysburg, but it was like they were still trying to give me information about Gettysburg. So it, I think, you know, that could be kind of that translation there. I, you can't really rule it out. I mean, again, right. when we talk paranormal, it's the otherworldly. So we don't know how they're trying to communicate with us. You know, like you said, rolling a ball or having someone speak for them. John, what's I your take on it? I did, my theory is, again, that evolved. And I look at that even differently now. I feel that with the process with, uh, again, we always say there's no time within the spirit realm. Thus, with everything with the collective that's happening, because so many people are open and so many people want that connection to take place and they want to get some information, is that with the collective of us there, that they can communicate in English, they can communicate in different languages. Thus, I look at it and go, do they have such an intelligence behind them that they realize now? And with all of us out there poking around with our EVPs and everything, do they have that intelligence? Okay, let me speak in English so they'll figure out something and they'll get a better understanding of it. And, and again, it comes from the collective. And I just feel it just keeps advancing where a lot of that happens. We get it. Because a lot of times we've always heard this over the years. People will be like, okay, you know, I'm over in Germany and I'm getting something in English. It's not making any sense. They didn't speak English. But no, I look at it a little differently now. I'm going, but they have that intelligence to them. 
and they have that thought process using our energy in conjunction with their energy, thus communicating to us in English. Theory. Or they could actually be speaking a language that we really don't hear and it comes across in a language we understand because our mind can only process what, you know, you can hear, smell, taste. And so, like we said, there's not really a language for spirit. So maybe they're speaking their language, but we get it processed through what we can understand. I know when I was in Germany and we were were doing some EVP at a few of the different sites at one point, I... (coughs) it was crass of me. I will be first to admit, but we were at a site where Hitler had delivered one of his speeches and you just kind of stand there and you stand in the place where he stood. And it's not to get that feeling of power of Hitler, but to just realize in this space, in this moment, this man commanded tens of thousands of people to do his bidding. And then I stood there and we were running a recorder and, and I said, uh, how's it feel to know you lost? And then we walked off and we all kind of had our little laugh. And when we got back, I had, I had something on the recorder. I, I couldn't recognize. It was just this little da da da. And I played it as a joke for a buddy of mine. And he goes, it just called you an asshole in German. <laughs> and I said, no. And he goes, yeah, that, and I, sure enough, I ran it through and you hear the voice it call was. me an asshole. So it was, it's interesting that, uh, apparently even the spirits, uh, from the past know that I am, but you know, it, it, there's that. I guess maybe they come through the way they want to come through. And and maybe he didn't want me to necessarily know the word. He let me know somebody was there listening, but without giving me right. the, the Rosetta Stone for it. Um, now, I want to show to people, this is exciting. We get a chance to travel the world, and we want to go with you. We want people to come with us. And we, I have built a community and a family over the last 10, 11 years of doing these trips. It, it touches my heart. And when we say goodbye it's tough because I know I won't see my family again for another year or, or so, but getting a chance to go out and see these places is exciting. And John, is this your first trip to Greece? Okay. This is what's so cool. My very first time, you know, uh, my lineage is Greek, you know, Mm -hmm. on my father's side and everything. So I'm kind of, I'm more probably excited about that, just doing it. But I, enjoy doing things with other people for the very first time i yeah. i'm ex- i'm gonna have the experiences right along with everybody else so again dave you've been around me when something happens and i'm in a new location i'm like a kid in a candy store oh, d- yeah. did, you, did you hear that did you see that did you have to, you know so i get excited right along with everybody else mm-hmm. and with those experiences now and with us being a part of it to me, that's so freaking cool because it's all new. It's all fresh. So it's all going to be some new experiences. And again, will we uh, tap in with some of my relatives? I don't know, but we're going to find out. Oopa. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you can explore Greece with Michelle and the Godfather of the Paranormal this September 2023 for their tour, The Mystical Odyssey into Ancient Greece. We'll be taking off John Zathis, one of your leaders and ambassadors, Michelle Roos as well, will be on hand uh, helping you connect not only uh, as an investigator, but with the mediumistic aspects of that. And both will have your back. Trust me, if there's one person in the world I want with me, if things go south, it's John Zaffis. So he's seen things. He'll be there to help you. But I honestly believe that these cultures have nothing to throw at you that's going to hurt you or scare you. 
um, if you're lucky enough, you might get glimpses of history or hear history speak to you. Day one, you get to visit Athens. You're going to be seeing archaeological sites in amazing locations, goddesses, gods, history in the making. Day two, another day in Athens. Visit the first cemetery of Athens, a peaceful spot filled with olive and pine trees, established in 1837. An extraordinary place, an open-air museum with more than a 1,000 remarkable sculptures. And I know people love, John, how many times we go to a, a city or state for an event and people go spend hours just walking in the local cemetery. This oh, gives you a chance. Yeah, oh. I mean, again... It, it's just going to be one of those types of situations, <coughs> excuse me, where everybody's going to be awe, at all because, right. we're, we're, you know, we're experiencing things that are a thousand, thousands and thousands of years old. And, you know, you touch some of those pillars or you're touching one of those statues right. or you're in an area. To me, what I like to do is just stand there and go, what was it like? What right. was happening back in that day? Now, you know, if we're lucky, hey, maybe we'll get a couple of ghosts that'll show up in togas and that'll make Marie happy. <laughs> so that's what we got to hope for. And, you know, that'll, that'll make her whole trip. But anyhow, you know, with all of that, the, right. the, those experiences are just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. You get to see Athens. You get to see, what is that, Mykonos. Uh, there are going to be so many great spots. And in some of the cities, you get to stay for a few days so that you're not rushing in and out. You get a chance to see the different aspects of each one of these cities in Delphi. You get to visit Delphi. That's that's just, just look at the photographs. For those of you that are listening, we're painting a visual portrait for you. But the gorgeous nature of Greece, the beauty, you will not be let down when you go. It's like going to Egypt. It's always this kind of, I don't know, I always had this Bob Hope, Bing Crosby kind of feel in my head from all their Road to movies and the silly stuff I've seen. And But to go and see this for yourself and be in Greece and see these locations, um, it is it is going to be an experience that will last you a lifetime and a chance to see the way the world is seen and and the way life is led and how the afterlife is perceived in these countries and you're in a safe environment. I do want to say one thing though, being a veteran of doing these foreign trips, folks, when you sign on to a foreign paranormal theme trip, expect there's going to be slight alterations throughout your trip. That's natural because a lot of these places are not built on paranormal adventures. A lot of these places, this is the first time they're allowing this or they're letting it in. Sometimes they get a little nervous and they might tweak it or change where you can get access to, but you still get to see things. And Maria, your, your host uh, of the most that'll be on this tour with you that runs Mysterious <laughs> Adventures, if something falls through, she's already 10 steps ahead of you and has three more oh, spots yeah. to stop if you can't get in there. So you're never let down. And a lot of the places, I got to tell you, that we end up visiting on some of the trips we've done together, we're off the uh the scope of what we signed on for because the places were flooded out or we couldn't get to them because of bad weather or uh they were closed due to lack of of uh employees because of the coronavirus uh still affecting a lot of these countries but we'd find something equally as astounding and have magical moments so i hope people do keep that in mind this isn't your standard fair where you're walking along doing what nine million other uh, you know, tourists do. This is something special. So things twist, but usually it opens a door that you will find lets in a light you didn't expect and you will have an yeah. just an amazing time um, going there. So there's nothing to fear. You're, you're going in, you're exploring the histories. 
show respect as we do anywhere we go. Show respect for the location, the history, and the living history, the people that are still there sharing those stories with you. Because sometimes they're the key to getting the spiritual side to open up. And if you can show respect for the locations you visit with the people that are there sharing them with you, I, I've seen miracles occur on these trips, guys. And I wish I could join you in Greece. I'll be in... Um, where am I going to be? I think I'm going to be in England at that time yeah, doing yeah. our adventure uh, with ah. Neil's story. But I want to hear everything about it. And after you come back from Greece, would you guys come back on and share some of the experiences you had? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. We're going to yeah. try some EVPs and see if ours is as good as yours. Right. <laughs> and you've got to get some good EVP because Greece is the word. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I will, for those of you that heard me earlier, I did capture some EVP. I'm I'm trying to have it cleaned up a little bit, and I will play it this Friday on the show, on the news uh, special. So tune in this Friday to check that out. We've got links for John Zappas and Michelle, their websites, and we have a link on today's program guide on how you can join them in Greece. And if you've been waiting a lifetime to have an adventure, this is time to have the adventure of a lifetime. Go and enjoy it with John Zaffis, Michelle. You guys are going to have a, a remarkable time. Like I said, I'm jealous I can't join you, but I look forward to hearing what happens when you come back. All right. Sounds, Sounds great. Good. Sounds good. All right. Thank you very much, Michelle. We appreciate you visiting. John, as always, I love you, brother, and I can't wait Same to see here, you buddy. Again soon. And All we'll right. catch up soon, buddy. Take care. Thanks. I look forward to it. Thanks. Bye bye. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got more fascinating aspects. Uh, the Phantom Farm. We're going to talk about a very strange haunting. Um, and, and from somebody who's been boots on the ground there, as, as a historian, an investigator, a documentarian, somebody that, that went there to try to put the claims to the test. Is what was being reported real? We'll find out when we return. You're listening and watching the best in paranormal talk radio. I'm Dave Schrader, and this, this is the Paranormal 60. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P 
dot com slash p60 it's time to take control of your life dave's here rooting you on and if i can do this you can do this let's do this together betterhelp.com slash p60 there's a link for it on today's program guide haunted magazine is a publication dedicated to all things paranormal and spooky each issue features articles, interviews, and stories about ghosts, hauntings, and other unexplained phenomena. The magazine also covers topics such as cryptozoology, UFOs, and other aspects of the supernatural. Expect to find in-depth investigations of haunted locations, first-hand accounts of ghostly encounters, and reports of paranormal events and attractions. The magazine also includes features on the latest ghost hunting technology and techniques, as well as tips for those looking to search the supernatural on their own. Issue 37, The Frights of Spring, will be in stores from March 6. So remember, don't be normal. Be paranormal, and order your copy, today. Join us for this amazing paranormal conference that's being held in a haunted school in Glen Beulah, Wisconsin. Haunted Midwest Ghost Tours presents Great Lakes Paranormal Conference on September 22nd through the 24th, 2023. We have some great speakers with Jason Hawes, Adam Berry, Sherry Benedetti, Lyle Blackburn, Shane Pittman, Sarah Lemos, Dave Schrader, Jeff Bellinger, along with Wisconsin's very own Chad Lewis, and many more will make this one of Wisconsin's most talked about events. We have over 40 vendors and nighttime investigations at various haunted locations with special guests. Get your tickets now at GreatLakesParanormalConference.com and find us on Facebook under the same name. Choose from VIP, General 3-Day, and Day Pass. Again, that's Great Lakes Paranormal Conference.com. Phantom Farm is now available on Amazon Prime. Paranormal investigators encounter a phantom attack and an allegedly haunted poor farm in Winchester, Indiana. Baffled by the unsettling experience, they team up with the hosts of the Tales from the Dark podcast for what will prove to be a perplexing night full of supernatural mischief and unforgettable evidence. This is as real as it gets. Welcome to the Randolph County Infirmary, the Phantom Farm. There's something strange going on at Randolph. I don't think there's any denying that at this point. Um, I, I can't say for sure what it is. It seems like there might be something intelligent. There might be something residual. So we're sitting in the basement hallway and Nathan suddenly jumps out of his chair. I felt something, a slight movement on my necklace. And honestly, my first thought was, really, this is what we're doing? this tired trope that we've seen in every paranormal TV show where the guy gets a scratch on his back and... So I turned my back to him for him to look at it and when he pulled my shirt down... Yes, that's exactly what we did. 
this was my first paranormal investigation like this. It's getting colder. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. You hear that? Is that knocking? That sounded like almost like a growl or something being drugged. We don't know for sure that. Oh, we don't know for sure that. Finding that body bag on my first paranormal investigation was alarming to say the least. Is there anyone or anything that would like to talk to us here? Go away, go away. I think it ran right next to you. I think so too. That was one of the most undeniable things that I've experienced in a long time. Uh, it was plain as day. It's by far the best evidence that has come out of an investigation, which I was a part of. I have no explanation for it. Phantom Farm only on Amazon Prime. We do have a link for it on today's program guide. Joining us now, investigator and paranormal documentarian uh, for this event. We've got Bob Hicks joining us live. Hey, Bob, how are you? Doing well, Dave. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for being here with us this evening. Absolutely. Sorry, I was looking off screen there as you were playing the trailer. Uh, funnily enough, a bunch of my documents and books just fell off my bookshelf. So we're, mm. we're starting this off right. Well, I know you do a lot uh, in, in what crosses over in my world as well with true crime and missing people, the paranormal. Uh, so we've got a link up for your website for people to find you, and it'll give links to your YouTube pages, your social media pages, all the different ways that they can connect with you and keep up with the fascinating content that you put out. There's so many haunted locations, so many stories that come out, Bob. What about the Phantom Farm drew your attention? Well, funnily enough, um, I've been doing paranormal investigating for the past 15 years. I, I kind of make the joke that I grew up on paranormal television. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, one of my employees, Tyler Terry, he reached out to me and he said, hey, you know, we went and investigated this location over in Winchester, Indiana. We had this thing happen. I, I need another take on this. I need a fresh set of eyes. Can you just tell me what you think? So he shows me the, uh, it's in the trailer where Nathan Barnes gets scratched and I'm instantly just turned off by that because we've seen that on every paranormal television show, every movie, right. you know, you have the phantom scratch. Um, but I know Nathan and Tyler fairly, fairly well. And I, I know that uh, Tyler, similar to me, we don't tolerate any kind of uh, fake evidence like that. So he brings it to me and I said, you know, I got to see this place. And when we got there, it was definitely more than I bargained for because a, it was the largest location I've ever investigated. And we have a rather small crew uh, and that's by design. So we can kind of control the investigation. Mm -hmm. But when we got to the location, it had a weird, I hate to say that, you know, the, the kind of stereotypical trope of an aura, but it had this weird energy to it. That was almost playful. And um, it's best described as like a trickster esque energy where we, you couldn't really put your finger on, does this feel malevolent? Does this feel inviting? Does this feel happy or joyful or playful or angry even? And what was very interesting about the, the setup of the location is we had things happening as soon as we got there. 
rather it be knocking at the end of the hallway, doors opening, closing on their own, banging. Uh, we'd be setting up our cameras and we'd see lights off at the edge of the hallway, that sort of thing. And it was mm. kind of a running joke that, you know, everything's going to happen before we turn the cameras on. And thankfully that wasn't the case, but uh, it's definitely a very unique location in that it's very much undisturbed. It's it's exactly how it was while the residents were there. So when you're walking through, you're not getting a, I'm trying to think how to describe this the best way. You're not getting like a, a museum type. You're getting the real deal and you can feel how they felt walking down the halls. Like it feels like you it's, are a member of. It's Rand. like a time capsule you've just walked into. Yes, sir. That's correct. You know, it's, it's interesting because talking about the scratch, I've always been one to roll my eyes at the scratching as well, but Dave, you're friends with guys on ghost hunters and ghost adventures and paranormal state. They all got scratched. That's great. I trust them that what they say happened, but it's still one of those, like, come on, that it's just such a weird trope. And I've, I don't get, if it's a demon, if it's something, I don't just three little scratch marks and maybe a trickle of blood. I just didn't get it. And, uh, I, I was out in California, to, I, I can't say the name of the location. We were not supposed to be there. I was, I was with some people in the paranormal field, but they got us access into a building. And we're walking around and we're hearing things. I mean, it's alive. I don't know else to explain it. We're hearing things. We walk out of the building and I'm talking to my friend Bill, who's a, a cameraman and, and a documentarian as well. And all of a sudden he goes, well, what happened to you? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you're bleeding. And I go, where am I bleeding? And he goes, you're bleeding from the nose. And it was like, and I didn't have my glasses on at the time. So it was around here and there's just this gash and blood streaming down my face. So we go in the bathroom and I look at it and I'm like, well, this is, I didn't feel anything. I didn't, it's not like I walked into anything or I scratched my nose or did, where the hell did this come from? And it's pouring. And as I'm standing there, I'm just watching it bubble up and, and leak down my face. And I'm like, this is nuts. And then I'm like, I can't, he wants to film this. Nobody's going to believe it. They're going to think that when my back was turned, I gouged myself and then, oh, look, I'm bleeding. So I, I told him, no, no, no. And I, I kind of wipe it off and I clean it off. And as I'm telling him, I'm like, I don't want to, I, I, I'm going to look like an idiot. And he's like, Dave, this could be really cool. And I'm like, I don't think so. And I wipe it off and there's no scratch. Oh, wow. Cut. There's no dig, but I still have more than enough blood on my face. Then I'm like, all right, maybe a mosquito. Did I pop a mosquito and it bled all over me because it was full? Nobody else had mosquitoes. No, there were no bites. And then I'm looking, I open up the tissue and I'm looking at what I just wiped and it's blood, but I don't see bug bits. And that was one of the weirdest moments that I really wish I would have allowed him to film and watch me wipe it off. And there's nothing there. Yes. I get your sense of, oh, it's a trope. It's that, oh no, you've been scratched. There are some weird things that make you raise your eyebrow and go, this, this needs to be examined a little bit further. Absolutely. Was this a psychic scar? Was somebody, did I walk through somebody who bled from the nose? Did I walk through their energy and it manifested that way? I I have no clue what happened to me, Bob. It was the weirdest moment. And it unfortunately is one that was not caught on film and was only with a very small group of friends. And now I kick myself for not having allowed him to, uh, to, to show it when we did it, but I get your trepidation of walking in to do something like this and, and using that as the, the key, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely, it, it, well, it's kind of funny you bring up the, the bloody nose because I actually got a bloody nose uh, at Randolph. Um, we were doing some B-roll. You know, we were just tying up the rest of the documentary and I was flying my drone in the basement where the the basement's known to have what they consider a demon. Um, and then Ida Gunkel's also down there where allegedly she's also kind of a malevolent spirit or something is attached to her. Then they also have a weird like squid type of entity that's reported on the on the roof. Um, but we were flying the drone in the basement, just getting some B-roll. And about an hour beforehand, uh, Tyler Terry, the other camera operator, was like, you know, I feel like my nose is going to bleed. And I was like, well, that wouldn't be good. An hour later, I'm flying the drone in the basement and my drone goes crazy. Uh, now, admittedly, don't fly your drone in a basement. That's common sense. You lose satellite. It's going to crash. <laughs> right. um, my drone goes crazy, flies up into the ceiling and bounces back, hits me in the face. And I start you know, bleeding profusely out of my nose. And I was like, you know, I feel like you caused this inadvertently by saying you thought you were going to get a bloody nose. And I, right. you know, it was kind of like a running joke for the rest of the evening that, you know, be careful what you say in Randolph County because it's probably going to come true. All right. Well, now you go in, you hear these claims. Oh, there's a demon in the basement. There's a squid creature on the How much of you is like, this is exciting. This is not a story you hear all the time. And then on the other side of you, how much of you is going, this sounds like the biggest crock of crap I've ever heard in my life. Well, it's, you always have to have two brains with paranormal investigation. And it's something right. that I preach this very heavily to my, my podcast audience, because we cover paranormal UFOs, you name it, we cover it. Right. Um, we were very careful to not know too many of the claims going in, because I am a firm believer that manifestation in, in the para realm is a very, very real thing. If you think, mm -hmm. you know, if there's a hundred claims that someone knocked on the door in the basement, you're probably going to hear a knock, even if it was just a car going by. Um, so we came in with, I came in with a very healthy dose of skepticism because again, you know, okay, we have an investigator who got scratched. That's been doing this longer than I have in our small community. That's, that's pretty rare to find someone in general. Um, and then when we approached it and they asked, Hey, do you guys want a tour? And I said, you know, I'm going to skip the tour. I, I don't want my, any of my intuition to be ruined by, you know, these, these preconceived notions of the place. And as the, the tour guide was leaving, he's like, Hey, um, you know, you need to be careful in that hallway. And I was like, which hallway? Mm -hmm. So the first four men's hallway, just, just be careful. There's, I don't feel good in there. And conveniently enough later that night, we had what I consider to be some of the most convincing paranormal evidence that I've seen in 15 years, uh, occur. Okay. So it's one of those things where I always go into these locations that have these larger than life life claims with a giant grain of salt because at the end of the day a lot of these locations especially the new ones up and coming ones that aren't as famous as say waverly they have to sell their location to investigators and and i understand that it's like any you know proper business right. model um so i came in with a gee i really hope all this is real but it's most likely not real type of approach and i know that's probably like the worst thing to say as a documentarian but no that's kind of where my brain was as, as an investigator all right so once you start actually capturing footage, you start capturing evidence for yourself, does it, does it make you need to stop and reassess how you're going to continue? Or do you just go with the, you know, shotgun approach? Uh, we're here, we're filming, let it go. Let's just let things be. If we alter how we're doing this, it may alter the kind of experience we're having. Walk us through that kind of decision and, how how it's impacting you physically, mentally, and spiritually having these experiences unfold in front of you. 
Well, uh, I have to say, uh, Nathan Barnes, the gentleman who was scratched, he, he says in the documentary, and I, I believe it, he means that when he says, uh, he thinks that it changed his scope on reality forever. And for me personally, um, we've actually gotten some pushback because people are like, Hey, you didn't run away. You didn't panic when this happened, this completely insane thing that you claim is real happened. You didn't show any fear. And we were more in a position of, we have to give thanks to this because it, you know, as well as I do, it's very rare for you to ask for something and to get exactly that thing in return. Um, and up to this point, we had kind of been chasing around whatever this was, whether it be an entity, a ghost, a poltergeist, whatever we want to call it today. We were chasing this thing around and it was almost getting frustrating because we would get to one corner of the building and then we would hear it on the far side. And then we would go over there and we'd sit down and relax. And the second we'd sit down and relax, it would you know ramp up on the other end. So we were running nonstop while filming. Um, and then we kind of stopped, caught our breath and we said, Hey, this is where we're going to be for a moment. And, you know, we would love for you to come and speak with us, just have a conversation. That's all we want. And then we have, you know, we had the evidence happen. And so after that, it, it was one of those things where we had to kind of slow way down and figure out what could we have possibly done to re or to, to encourage this type of response. Did we do anything differently? And Austin and I, um, fellow investigator came to the conclusion that we did what we've always done. We weren't disrespectful. We were very clear with our intentions and we came in with an open mind. And mm -hmm. so we made sure that when we kind of re uh, gather with the rest of the investigators, we said, Hey, this is what happened. Uh, we need a second opinion right away. So we replayed it for everybody. I think three, four five different times. Mm -hmm. okay. And we said, okay, we have to now have investigators in this room at all times. We have to make sure that whatever's here, if it's trying to communicate, if it needs help, it has that as an option and it sees us as an outlet for whatever this may be. Um, and then as we, we, we went to close off the evening, we wanted to make sure that we did it from a point of they were very aware, whether it be one speaker or many in this building, that we were leaving, that we did intend to come back and that we were very appreciative of their time. Because I think that's something that happens a little too often in the paranormal where someone will get terrified and then they will literally demonize this entity for giving them exactly what they wanted. And so right. we, wanted be, we wanted to be very careful that this, you know, whatever it was, the phenomenon felt both respected, but also understood that we are just here to basically spend time with it. We had no other ulterior motives. Um, you know, we were, we were honest that we were filming. We weren't trying to pull a fast one on anybody. And I think that that was a big um, eye-opening experience for us. And it gave us a lot of resources to take into our next documentary. When there are actual occurrences of the supernatural happening and you're taken off guard by it, even though you've set the intention that you're open and you're willing to have these experiences, does it ever leave you with a sense that, yes, I came in with respect, I came in with love and good intention in my heart, but what I just saw, I don't need to ever come here again. Do you ever get that sense? Um, when I was younger, I definitely did in my, my early teen years. Cause again, like, like I said, in the you know top of the show, I, I was raised on paranormal television. So I was the kid walking to my neighbor's house, knocking on the door saying, Hey, I'm, I'm Bob Hicks. I'm here to help. Do you have a ghost in your house? And they'd slam the door in my face. Um, so I definitely had some experiences when I was younger, you know, we're talking 13, 14, where there's things that I would never want to reapproach because they were a little too personal. Like a good example mm -hmm. is when my father passed, I attempted to make contact having zero idea what I was truly doing. You know, I, I'd grown up watching Jane Grant on television. So I thought, get out the Ouija board, get out the SB7, let's have a conversation with my deceased father. 
I know as an adult that that was definitely not the way to go about it. But as an adult, um, it's kind of hard now that I have my podcast and I have an audience who is as excited to hear my nonsense as I am to experience it because I, I don't right. really, I don't, you know, I, I guess for me, I'm always looking for that next experience. I'm always looking for that next story because as I've gotten more into uh, reading as I'm getting older and I'm kind of watching us go back and forth on this great phonograph in the sky and I'm just rediscovering what investigators found out back in the sixties that it's all just a part of one larger story. When people watch your documentary, what is the one thing you really hope that they take away from it above all the hype and the, the glory of being in a haunted location? Is there something specific you want people to get? That we put our heart and soul into making this feel like you were right there with us. Um, we, we kept in a lot of conversations that a normal production team would have cut out, you know, some of the jokes, cause I mean, you know, Dave, you've been there part of the fun of these investigations are the memories you make, the funny stories you come back with, you know, someone trips up a step and that's the funniest thing that that's ever happened. Cause it's three o'clock in the morning and, del and you're delirious. So we wanted to make right. sure people knew that we were, you know, what was on the surface was exactly what you were, you know, that that's us. We were right. as uh, forthcoming as we possibly could. And with the evidence, you know, we, we even approached it from a point of, we're not even going to tell you to believe that this is real. We want you to make up your own decision. And then we'd love for you to tell us what you think. Because I feel like too often, and, and it was a big thing that we did when we approached creating this documentary, we wanted, we wanted to make something we would enjoy watching. And we all came to the conclusion that we hate being told what to believe when it comes to the paranormal. So we wanted to leave everything open to interpretation and open for your own judgment when we made Phantom Farm. All right. You said this kind of opened up the doors for where you want to go in the future. What do you see as the next evolution in paranormal investigating? What do you think is being missed out there that really should be exposed or examined more deeply on, on paranormal TV shows, paranormal documentaries, whatever, what have you? Well, Dave, if we had three more hours, man, we could go over everything. But uh, <laughs> you know, in a nutshell, um, and I catch some flack for this, but I think the occult and the the esoteric esoteric side of things have a lot to do with the paranormal, and people don't mm -hmm. like to have that conversation. But I also believe right. that we're ignoring the ide ideologies of ufology and cryptozoology. When you break down that border and you notice how often in a Bigfoot story you have poltergeist-like activity. And you notice how often that in a UFO abduction, they're finding these strange Bigfoot tree structures out in the woods. You start to realize that it's a lot closer than you might think. And we don't have to be separated in these different camps. We can all, Amen. you know, not, not only can we all exist independently, but I think you're doing a disservice as an investigator to not look at the other two, you know, regarding which, regardless of which camp you're in. You're not, I think you're doing a disservice of not looking and taking that seriously and learning how the other half lives, so to speak. I agree. I think it'd be great if more investigators investigated all types of phenomena because going out there, seeing what it's like to investigate a Bigfoot uh, sighting or cryptid sighting of any type, UFOs, uh, you know, maybe even taking some of the training through MUFON, make you a better, more well-rounded paranormal investigator for ghost hunting. I, I, uh, which I don't like the term ghost hunting either, right? It's, uh, you're, you're investigating the claims, not yeah. hunting a ghost to hang on the wall when you're done. Um, although they are tasty if cooked properly, uh, <laughs> it's, 
it's the whole uh, way we perceive things. And I, I like your, your sense on that. We need to try to come together more on this and start to see that, you know, what would be fascinating is to have um, a documentary that follows in a location, maybe like Bridgewater Triangle, where there's yeah. multiple types of activity taking place on one night, three different teams investigating three different elements of the supernatural, the ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, coming back, sharing what they found, taking the, the lessons, maybe even the EVP or messages or things that they got, taking it back out into a different element of the field the second night and investing into that. So the, the team that was hunting Bigfoot one night is now doing the UFO hunt. The yeah. next night they're going to do the ghost hunt. So you each one do three full round circles and cycles of investigating this phenomena. Then we come back, correlate the, the, the data. Is there something like you said, will we find those, what appear to be loose threads really do when you pull them, connect all three of the type of phenomena that there's going on in that area. And like you, I believe we're going to start to see that there is a much bigger thing that we should be looking at than just one element of any one of these aspects. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and this isn't a new idea. I, I try and make right. sure people are very aware of that. I mean, John Keel in the 60s was having this discussion about the men in black and they were communicating in between the channels. Well, wh what is a spirit box? You're communicating right. allegedly in between the channels with a paranormal entity. Well, what's to say that what you're communicating with isn't an injured cold? Or isn't a, you know, some sort of a Martian from, you know, <laughs> some other planet. You don't really know. But I think people are, for some reason, it's it's been a change as of late. And I've seen this. And I think it's because of documentaries like Hellier and Dark Holler have, have come out that it's being slightly more accepted. But I think that if you start, like you said, to, to look at all three camps, investigate them both independently, but also have them overlap, you're going to be very surprised at what you find. And some of the older investigators that I've talked to say, yeah, I, I started as a, uh, as a Bigfoot hunter, believe it or not. And I went to a location and I had this happen and now I believe in UFOs. And now I'm all about UFOs. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you know that that Bigfoot didn't lead you to the UFO? And that's, you mm. know, where, where my, my methodology comes in of, it's all pretty connected if you just look a little closer. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of investigators don't do that, but, but I agree. And thank you for bringing up MUFON, by the way. I tell a lot of people, if you're interested, go into MUFON. They have a, a ton of free online courses that are amazing. You know, you bring up that concept of, uh, of the messages and how it, how it intertwines and the, the, the men in black communicating on the spaces in between. I, I brought this up to a lot and back in the early 2000s, when this glut really started to take over, there were people around the world getting spirit box messages calling out for Seth, Seth. And a lot of people were thinking, oh, this is that ancient entity. And I said, maybe it's not. You've got Seth Shostak with the SETI research, listening and sending out signals, radio signals to space and listening for messages back. Maybe his scope is too wide. Maybe there's something closer by trying to communicate and talk to Seth. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's interesting. And then all of a sudden it just tapered away. The response is people stopped getting Seth messages. And I wonder if it's because if he's not going to listen and people aren't going to start to put two and two together, they're going to try to find another way to come through or give up that channel altogether. Oh, absolutely. Weird. And maybe I'm reaching, but I just think it's interesting that people around the world were getting radio messages for Seth and the guy in charge of listening for the messages from outer space is named Seth. I yeah. just think that's kind of an interesting correlation 
Yeah, and I, I believe there's there's no such thing as uh, coincidence, especially in this field. Um, too too many things overlap way too often for me to say, oh, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Well, I wish you a lot of luck, Bob. Uh, the the documentary's out again. We have a link for the documentary. Uh, you can check it out on Amazon Prime. Great documentary, as they've said, beautifully shot, really fascinating the way you guys investigate this. I give you a lot of credit coming off of doing three seasons of TV, watching what you do and how you put together this documentary. I, I hope more people will check it out and will inspire more people to go out there and start to think outside the box. Uh, when you get the next one up and running, let me know, would you, Bob? Yep, we'll do. And again, this was uh, this is our first attempt. We've never made anything like this before. Uh before this, it was some uh, some music videos, and we all played music in high school. But this was our first attempt at anything like a documentary. So we are well, good job. We're, we're to the moon of how it turned out. So thank you for having me on, Dave. It's been a pleasure. It's great, Phantom Farm. Check it out, Prime Video. Watch, rate, and review. That is so important to the people that come on the show. Whether you're getting their books or their audio books or their documentaries, rate and review them because it does help to expose them to a bigger, broader audience. Fears, phantoms, and the godfather of the paranormal. What a great night. Wonderful people, great insights into different aspects of investigating the supernatural. Broaden your horizons. Open your eyes to more ways to investigate. But the best way to start is educate yourself. Educate yourself in, in interviewing techniques, in learning how to Look at the spaces in between to see the things, to hear the things that are being shared from history and the spirits that are there within. I hope that the darkness is just a little bit more light with the information that we share here on the show. And I want to thank my guests from the bottom of my heart, the godfather of the paranormal, John Zaffis, Michelle Roos, and Bob Hicks for joining us tonight and sharing their insights with you and I. I'll be back this Friday along with the Paranormal News crew. And I'll be bringing those EVP that we captured in King Tut's tomb. So make sure you tune in for another brand new episode of the best in paranormal talk radio. I'm Dave Schrader, and as always, this is the Paranormal 60.